Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Britain's BAFTA Awards, which were presented this week, are the final forerunner to the movie's Night of Nights, the Academy Awards. Some traditionalists complain that all these minor awards beforehand take some of the gloss off the real thing, but let's face it, the gloss has been coming off them for years. Certainly the TV ratings of the Academy Awards have plummeted recently, causing many to ask, do the Oscars matter anymore? Guys, I'm sorry. No, there's a mistake. mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. More on that in a minute, plus two films about young people, sci-fi thriller Voyages and Rocks, a little indie that did well at the BAFTAs. So who else did, and are the BAFTAs an accurate indicator of the upcoming Oscars? What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. Hey, Fern! got make the hole bigger. <laughs> I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Well, one thing's for sure, Nomadland, the semi-fictional update of John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, is a sitter for best film. It's triumphed at every other event, and the BAFTAs were no different. It also provided another trophy to go on Francis McDormand's mantelpiece, and the first of, I'm sure, many to grace that of director Chloe Zhao. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Another big winner was The Father and its star, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Well-deserved, of course, but I suspect it might struggle at the Oscars to beat sentimental favourite the late Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I'm going to get me a band and make me some records. I know how to play real music, not this jug band shit. You call that playing music? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Also a lock at the Oscars is another chunk of black history, the powerful Judas and the Black Messiah. There seems no question that British actor Daniel Kaluuya will pick up Best Supporting Actor, just as he did at the BAFTAs. America's on fire right now. And until that fire's extinguished, nothing else means a damn thing. Imagine what we could accomplish again. The award for best script is often a consolation prize for films that missed out on the big awards. This year it went to Emerald Fennel for the brilliant, if divisive, revenge comedy Promising Young Woman. Personally, I thought star Kerry Mulligan was robbed. I was hoping you'd feel differently by now. 
It's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? Mind you, the best actress field this year has been wildly overcrowded. Apart from Frances McDormand and Carey Mulligan, there was a brilliant turn by Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Rosamund Pike in I Care a Lot, and the upcoming Battle of the Jazz Divas at the Oscars. Viola Davis as Ma Rainey and Andra Day playing Billie Holiday. Not a judgment I'd like to make. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Billie Holiday. Reporters keep asking me. Billy, why you do the things you do? This is what I tell him. I love me. We love you. But you have to concede that many of this year's contenders are worthy rather than overwhelming, and you might say Oscar-worthy. For years now, many Academy Award-winning films seem to be more suited to high-minded film festivals like Cannes and Sundance. What's happened to the Oscars? May I tear open the yellow envelope, please? Ben Hur, William Wyatt. The whole point of Academy Awards originally was to attach a fig leaf of respectability to what was essentially a money-making racket. Once a year in a private ceremony, filmmakers rewarded their own, giving awards to films that weren't just profitable but were actually good. The winner is Humphrey Bogart in the Because Hollywood's big names set so much store by the newly named Oscars, the public got on board and the event became the glittering party we used to know and love. Occasionally, some say more than occasionally, the Oscars played it a little safe, overlooking films that were later to become famous classics. But the point is, you could see why most of the winners won. And the winner is... Godfather Part 2, Francis Ford Coppola, Gray Fredrickson and Fredericks. The Godfather, One and Two, Casablanca, The Best Years of Our Lives, Lawrence of Arabia and dozens of others. They were big, they were really well done and most important, they'd made a sizeable dent at the box office. Even if, say, The Sound of Music or Forrest Gump or Titanic went to your personal taste, you couldn't argue that they didn't deserve to be there. They were middle-brow, important motion pictures. For years, the staples of the Oscars. Well, flash forward to now and it's rather a different story. The recent winners of Best Film are hardly household names now. Indeed, many were pretty obscure at the time. The Artist, Spotlight, The Shape of Water, Birdman... Are you afraid people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed-up comic strip character? Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the mask off! You do have the mask Don't get me wrong, they were all pretty good movies. They would have graced film festivals around the world, but Oscar winners? No offence, but there's a reason people started staying away from the live coverage of the Academy Awards, happy to read about it the next day. They'd never heard of many of these films. We haven't committed any long-term investigative resources to the case. No, we haven't. And that's the kind of thing your team would do. Spotlight. Guys, listen, everybody's going to be interested in this. 
So, what happened? Well, let's have a look at the finalists of picking a date at random here, 1962. David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia, which unsurprisingly went on to win. Daryl Zanuck's epic about the Normandy landings, The Longest Day. The musical The Music Man, still popular enough to be regularly parodied on The Simpsons. Mutiny on the Bounty and To Kill a Mockingbird. This case should never have come to trial. The state has not produced one iota of medical evidence that the crime Tom Robertson is charged with ever took place. These aren't worthy little art films. These are still stone-cold classics that were also massive box office hits. So why are the current blockbusters ignored at the Oscars? Is it rampant snobbery among Hollywood's overwoke liberal elite? I wish I could say that was the case. It's Godzilla. The reason why the big box office hits don't feature much at the Oscars these days is, frankly, it's too embarrassing. Looking through the highest-grossing films over the past few years, you struggle to find an actual movie among the various franchise entries based on comic books, toys, Disneyland rides and popular kids' books. Harry Potter! How did you do it? I didn't put my name in that cup. I don't want eternal glory. Nobody denies that some of these films are well-made and entertaining enough. But not even Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling or Marvel Comics' Kevin Feige would argue they deserve the title Best Film. Right now, the highest quality popular films, thoughtful, brilliantly written and as well-produced as anything from Hollywood's golden age, are animated features from Pixar, like this year's Soul. Wow. It's my life. Is living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? So, is that all there is? Small and worthy, or big and empty? In the current climate, and I'm not just talking about the effects of the pandemic, we'll have a bit of a wait before the next Shakespeare in Love. I'm, um... I'm the money. Then you may remain, so long as you remain silent. Pay attention. You will see how genius creates a legend. Thank you, sir. Still, even with limited budgets, it's possible for an ambitious filmmaker to reach for the stars. Literally, in the case of Voyagers. This is our best chance to find a habitable planet. We breed and raise our own crew. Voyagers is one of those films that put most of its limited budget up on the screen, leaving very little left over for publicity. I dropped into my local cinema knowing nothing about Voyagers apart from what I saw on the poster. For instance, I had no idea Colin Farrell was in it. Three. Train them in isolation to prepare them for life in space. Two. The voyage will take 86 years. The setup is that Earth is doomed, again, but there's good news. They've found another planet. The bad news, of course, is that it's a long way away, and the only way to get there is to breed your crew on the way. Two more generations of crew, in fact. Richard, Colin Farrell, volunteers to be the infant crew's teacher and guardian. I'm scared. Of what? 
There's nothing to be scared of. It's Harry Potter in space, you could say, with all these brilliant young minds from all over the world being taught by machines, with Richard providing some human guidance when needed. You are the link between past and future generations and have been entrusted with the survival of our species. The normal kids. Sensitive and smart. I need to protect them. But the looming problem, as anyone who's had any dealings with teenagers could tell you, is going to be puberty. The way Mission Control planned to keep those hormones this side of raging was medication. Here, kids, sip this blue liquid. There's a toxin in the water. It's coming from us. We're eating something toxic. It's the blue. The two leaders of the group are Ernest Christopher and rebellious Zack. And once they twig to the fact that their personalities are being suppressed by the man, they decide to take action. It's medication. Blue. To decrease pleasure. Blue. I'm not drinking it. What does it feel like? To feel something. Once off the leash, Zack and Christopher start exploring the wild frontier of feelings and urges, like the fact that half of the crew are young women, very attractive young women, like Sailor, played by Lily Rose Depp. We'll never know what they discover. That's true. Our lives are unimportant. Well, your life, my life, is as important as anyone's. Here or on Earth. Sailor is on her own journey of discovery, long chats with Richard about the mission and the fact that no-one on the spaceship will reach Journey's End. How can people be expected to be so saintly and selfless on behalf of people who aren't even born yet? You're not feeling what I'm feeling. What's going on? You're drugging us. To prevent exactly this kind of thing from happening. Meanwhile, a similar message is being played out rather more viscerally below decks. Zack has encouraged everyone to join him in abandoning the meds. And things get worse when Richard, the responsible adult, is taken out of the picture. Who's in charge now? I'll do anything you want. Who cares about the rules? We can do what we want. On the one side, responsible Christopher, backed up by dull, respectable sailor. On the other, rock and roll rebel Zack. Who do you think a teenage crew is most likely to pick? Why are they all gone crazy? Maybe this is our true nature. In other words, as I'm sure you've spotted by now, it's that alarming school favourite, Lord of the Flies in Space. The message of William Golding's book remains, ordinary people will follow the path of least resistance and are easy prey to narcissistic bullies like Zack. I want to be honest with him. About everything. He can't protect you. Protect us from what? 
In fact, the message seems even more timely now as we watch similar illustrations play out around the world. The fear of the other, the appeal of freedom to do what you like regardless of who it hurts, an apparently strong leader making all your decisions for you. Suddenly, common decency seems rather old hat. That is my father and his parents, my grandparents. I never knew them, but I know they lived an honest life. Took care of their family, they provided for the future. That's all any of us can do. Voyagers, written, directed and produced by American Neil Berger, aims higher than it needs to. There are quotes from Kubrick and a punchline unwisely borrowed from Ridley Scott. But if you're going to make a mid-range sci-fi thriller, aiming high is not a bad way to start. I was pleasantly surprised. There's nothing to be scared of. Looking down the list of nominations for the British BAFTA Awards this year, the effect of the closure of many cinemas around the UK was obvious. There were significantly more titles from Netflix, Amazon and the rest than reached the cinemas here. So many titles risked slipping past if you didn't know where to look. Yo, And one of these was Rocks. It had been tucked away at the back of Netflix's Worthy cupboard, but I noticed it was up for several BAFTA awards. So I checked it out and discovered it warranted all of them. I'm going to be the new Picasso. These are your clients? Yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire. Put your hands back and pay the money for one of the advantages of today's cinematic upheaval is the opportunity it offers to first- and second-time directors to roll their sleeves up and show what they can do. One of those is Sarah Gavron, who made Suffragette a couple of years ago. It was pretty good, but Rocks is a whole new ball game. Hi, I'm not here right now, so if you'd like to leave a message... Come on, let's go. On the surface, the intention of teen comedy drama Rocks is to embrace diversity or something. The lead character is Jamaican-Nigerian, her best friends are Somali, Polish-West Indian, Gypsy, Indian, all second generation, of course. But the real intention of the film and what makes it work is just to tell a story about modern-day London. And then, I'm good, yeah? Rocks, can you do my eyebrows? Or, like, or just do my makeup. Sorry, Agnes. I don't really have stuff. For your colour, because I never get white clients. Having decided to reflect what London is actually like today, director Sarah Gavron and her two writers, Teresa Ricoco and Claire Wilson, went to the chalk face of local schools and began asking questions. The answers and how the answers were expressed are the basis of this film. I've got five fun. I have 20. Yeah, I see the queen. The queen is shining. <laughs> I rocks, man. I work today. Welcome to the future. 
Another advantage of rocks being relegated to Netflix is the access you get to something you rarely get at the cinemas for a so-called English-language film, subtitles. Rocks and her friends talk so fast, often over the top of each other, and the slang is often so elusive, you need all the help you can get. The film takes place on a London estate and the local school. It's not a slum, but it's not the middle-class suburbs either. But years of seeing this setting in kitchen sink dramas can't help but lead us to expect the worst. How's your mum doing? Yeah, she's fine. Yeah? Yeah. Rocks, played by BAFTA winner Bucky Buckray, lives in a flat with her little brother Emmanuel and their mother. Mum isn't coping, but no one notices yet, possibly because seven year old Emmanuel uses up a lot of oxygen. Our father, he's up in heaven, long be thy name, thy kingdom come, I won't be done, and officers have. Give us our stay, our daily bread, and give us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. To the remix. Rocks comes home from school and mum's gone again. She left a pile of money and a brief sorry note and that's it. What can 14-year-old Rocks do? Well, her first instinct is to do nothing and hope mum comes back soon. Best friend Sumaya doesn't think much of this plan. I think you should tell someone about your mum. It's just you and Emmanuel and... You wouldn't understand. What's the problem? Talk to me. I, I don't, don't need get you it. to worry for me. You're nothing such a... Rox remains confident until things start going wrong. The money runs out, the electricity is cut, the neighbours are snipping about, and the next thing, it'll be the cops or social services for sure. Oi, where's your tickets? Close your eyes. Think of everything that is happy. And stop thinking about all your worries. The astonishing thing about rocks is that just about the entire cast are non-professionals and much of the script is improvised. Tempting as it is to give credit to the wonderful actors, the skillful crew and the often inspired editing, a film like rocks comes from the top. Clearly, Sarah Gavron is now a director to watch. You have to leave now. Get out, get out. nothing can be loved into something. There's got to be a way to do all this. You just can't keep going on by yourself. It's a story you think you've heard before, but what makes it stand out is it's not overtly about hard times and injustice. There are no cliched gangsters and hookers and drug dealers in the world of rocks. There are just people, mostly young women, before and behind the camera. We're coming with you. I'm actually sick of time. How are you guys wanting chicken? I'm so sick. I don't want to overstate this, but there's a good chance you'll come out of rocks a better person. Not something you can say after Godzilla vs. Kong. And on that uplifting note, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.